This is the podcast where we say what we think. The podcast with no embezzlements. It is the podcast where we are adequately fed up with keeping our mouth shut about controversial issues and where we speak up. Join me, Mel, and my co-host, Mo, where today we discuss being an oncology mom. Okay, very, very, very um, close to home uh, su- subject or topic. For me personally, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a background. Um, so I gave birth to the most gorgeous twins in the whole wide world. I'm being biased because I'm their mom. Um, but they were born prematurely at 28 weeks um, due to a condition called twin-to-twin um, syndrome. It's where you have your twins. They each have their own sac, but they share a placenta. And the one twin got too much nutrients and the other one didn't. So because of that, um, they had to be um, born by an emergency C-section because my one twin, Trinity, stopped growing at 24 weeks. Um, so they have been in hospital. So my girls' names are Nikita and Trinity. And so uh, they were both in the hospital for months in the neonatal ward. And Nikita came home after four months after she was born, and she had a um, a PDA op, which is a valve in the heart that didn't close, so they had to actually operate and close it. And when she came home and she was doing well, she was thriving, and then Trinity came home when she was about seven or eight months old, then back in the hospital and only came out just before her first birthday. Um, and because Trinity was so small, she was only 800 grams at birth, and Nikita was 1.1 kg. And Trinity had to get a tracheostomy tube because they tried to uh, excubate her, um, but they couldn't. So they, instead of keeping her intubated for a very long time because you can become dependent on the machines and things like that, they placed a tracheostomy tube. So she's had a trachea for almost seven years now, um, and she's been going for... Um, airway dilations every single month since she was two years old, um, little warrior. And so last year, just when her surgeon was talking about, you know, decannulation, which is the process of taking out the tracheostomy tube because she was doing so well. So, you know, in the fact that she didn't really need it anymore, it's now just a mental game of letting her know that she doesn't need it. Um, then on the 16th of July of 2018, her healthy twin sister, Nikita, was diagnosed with leukemia. It's um, something that no parent or person in this world ever want to hear is, you know, the big C, that, you know, you have cancer. Um, Obviously, we took it very hard because it was so unexpected. She never showed any signs or anything like that. She just had these cramps, stomach cramps, and, you know, everything we gave her wasn't helping, and then... We took her to the emergency room and they did blood work and the next morning at 7 a.m. they told us that she has leukemia and they started with chemotherapy treatment um, immediately. Um, And she is now in remission. Um, She is doing extremely well. Um, She has to follow a a protocol um, which is called maintenance for the next two years. 
um, to make sure that, you know, the, the cancer cells stay away. Um, so basically maintenance is like the way that we explained it to her and to everybody else that asks, because everybody says, okay, so your child is in, in, in remission. It doesn't mean that you're cancer-free. It just means it's the first process of becoming cancer-free because even though there's no more cancer cells in the body, you have to keep the cancer cells away. So it's basically like a swimming pool. It basically means the cancer cells are sleeping. Yeah. So we procreate Exactly. So what we normally explain to people is what maintenance is, it's like a swimming pool. So you have your swimming pool and, and that is the up. body. You know, that's the body. And then you have the water that's inside. That's the blood because leukemia is cancer of the blood. So how do you keep your pool clean? You're putting chlorine. To keep the bacteria from growing. Exactly. So that's what the chemo was. So now maintenance means cleaning the pool clean. So once a month, she still gets her, her medication at the hospital um, and she still gets tablets at night to keep the pool clean. So, yeah, basically, that's it. Um, yeah. I want to quickly rewind. Um, so, your kids only came out of hospital very late, like the one at? About four months. Four months, yeah. and the other one at six months, and then again at a year. About. Yeah. So, when did you get released from hospital after the birth? Oh, well, that was so emotional, because I was admitted when I was about um, 24, 24 months I mean, 24 months, I'm not an elephant, 24 24 weeks pregnant, Um, I was put on bed rest, and my husband came home, and every day that he came home, I did something, because I was what they call nesting, and I wasn't supposed to move or do anything, and he should come home, and the curtains would be changed, or the furniture would be rearranged, and things like that, and when we went for another checkup, he basically told the gynae, my OBGYN, and said... I can't stand it. I come home. She's supposed to be on bed rest. But when I come home, she's been doing a lot of these things and everything. And then um, the doc said, nope, we're admitting you. So I stayed there until they were born. Um, I had an emergency C-section, which means you stay in the hospital for about three days. Mm, three and, to four. And then you go home. I lived there without my babies. It was, the hard, it was so. so hard. I cried like a baby because you... One thing is that when you're pregnant, or at least this is my personal perception and experience, when you're pregnant, you know that there are these two human beings growing inside of you, but it's like you don't know. You have this feeling of, am I going to love them? How am I supposed to feel? And things like that, because you don't really know how you're supposed to feel. But as soon as they were born, it was like a love that I, 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 I can't explain it. It's something that is beyond this earth, beyond this universe. It's something different from loving your, your partner. Something different from... I think from, you feel it, especially when you need to leave that baby behind. Yeah. Somewhere. I, felt like, like, I felt like I need the to sense leave of responsibility of and body. the sense of I need to look out for them and I need to take care of them and I couldn't because I had to let other people take care of them. Because I just want to say, you say it that way, but... I've heard from other people as well that they didn't necessarily have that overwhelming feeling of love immediately. But I think yours was such an effort to get these babies healthy and born. Yeah. But I loved them. You had more as soon process as, to lead up to that. Summer. Like with me, it's like, no, but I love them. Because like, remember with us, because it was such a, a medical emergency, emergency we, and because we knew they were going to be born, 
early, but not we didn't know when. So my OBGYN actually um, arranged for counseling for us before they were born, trying to explain to us what they were going to look like because obviously they weren't formed properly mm-hmm. as yet. Um, trying to explain to us, and the counselor tried to explain to us, um, okay, you might not hear them cry when they are born and things like that. So we were already mentally prepared for all of those things. So when Nikita came out first, and she was crying, and I mean, I looked at my husband, my husband was crying, because we didn't expect, you know, to hear that sound. It was the most beautiful sound. So we knew it was Nikita, okay, there was this possibility of hearing a cry, but with Trinity, we did not know. And when Trinity was born... She was crying louder than Nikita, you know, so that feeling just overwhelmed us. So obviously when Nikita was diagnosed with cancer, um, it was it was a big, big, big shock for us. Um, but I also feel what we have been going through with Trinity, with her medical conditions in and out of hospital, the tracheostomy, having nurses stay in our house and things like that. It, in a way, prepared us, not fully, because believe me, nobody can fully grasp what a pediatric oncology ward is like. But in a way, it, I think it, it mentally prepared us to be strong for her and to be able to also explain to her what is happening with her body, what is happening with her, why she needs all these medications, why she needs to have a J-line or a Broviac place to get her chemotherapy through. Okay, so what she's talking about is like a little uh, pipe that they insert just uh, just below the shoulder. It's like a main artery that they connect the line to. Because you see with, with chemotherapy, you constantly need to have bloods drawn. You constantly need to get your chemotherapy treatment. So instead of poking the person the whole time and not being sure if you're going to get a vein or not to get the blood through, they insert a permanent line that's connected to an artery where it makes the flow easier and things like that. But it's in her chest. It looks like she's got a pipe in her chest. But she she says it's a friend. I think it's also, you know, Nikita's mentality through everything has been so positive because I I give credit to my husband. My husband um, said from the beginning, we're not going to lie to her. She's six years old, mind you. But he said, you know what, we're not going to lie to her. We're going to explain everything to her in a way that she as a six-year-old can understand it. And I think that's what, um, from my experience, uh, from what I've seen in the hospital, not a lot of parents really tell their children exactly they try to protect them they try to protect it. them you know emotionally but yes and they to do each more well no, no i don't think it does more harm i think to each their own every parent knows how the child is and how yeah. strong the child is and and, and what a child can handle and what not exactly so i think it is good for for a parent or a guardian to you know explain to a child what is happening it doesn't necessarily have to be the specific words. Yes, it doesn't have to be technical. It just needs yeah. to be so that they correct. can understand, so that they know what they are going through. But I also feel like, um, like I said, to each their own. We felt that she should know because we've treated Trinity like that. I mean, if you ask Trinity, Trinity, why do you have a tracheostomy tube? She can explain it to you. Did you ever have to notice any of her peers or any of the other kids in the oncology ward that died or? That is a very touchy subject, um, you know, because one of her her friends passed away. She doesn't know it as yet because she hasn't asked about him. Um, So, but they were very close, I think, you know, like, because 
see with they with a, with a pediatric with a pediatric oncology ward, it becomes people be, become your family, they become your friends, they become a those community. children become your children. It becomes a community because they're going through the same thing together. Yeah. So I think when the time is right, she knows what passing on is. Yes. You know, so when she asks, I'm not gonna I'm the type of person, I'm not gonna tell my children something if they don't ask about they went to the farm, you know? <laughs> She's not going to ask about it. But I also yeah. think there's, there's boundaries. Um, if you, you want to protect your child, because you don't want to instill fear yeah. in your child. Um, but yes, it becomes hard for you because when you see, like I said, you, those children become like your children because you, you're in that hospital 24-7. Those parents become your friends, I think your reality sisters, your brothers. In a big way, sinks in when someone else's child dies from something your child was suffering of because you say to yourself, that could have been my kid. You know what I have learned from our family's experience with the oncology ward is that every child... And every diagnosis, whether it's the same or not, is it's different. different. Because your child, it's like every single person. Like, if you have flu and I have flu, we've got the exact same flu. We went through that, by the way. <laughs> we have the exact same flu. And I still have flu, and she doesn't have flu anymore. <laughs> exactly. Like, you, 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 your body handles things differently. Some children's bodies accept and handles the chemotherapy well, not great, but minimalistically with, with side effects. Yes. And other children, they have severe side effects. You can have the same diagnosis, but your body responds differently to the treatment. So it all depends on, like I said, you can't you can't go in to an oncology ward and, and say, oh, but my child has the same or the same diagnosis as yours. Oh, it's going to be the same you know, experience. experience. It's not. People, you know, I've seen people whose marriages have failed. Well, not failed. I think it's just that, you know, some people, they... Or suffered. You suffer, yes. you know, with the consequences because you're not together anymore. You you, you have some, some of the parents that I've met, they only have one child and they're going through this with their one child. And then other parents have multiple children now you're in the hospital with a child that's been diagnosed and then you still have your other children at home and sometimes you feel like you're neglecting them. Like with us, Trinity was always the main priority, medically speaking, mm. you know. And then all of a sudden when Nikita was diagnosed, Trinity became, and it's not, it wasn't intentional, it's just that because Nikita's treatment was continuous all the time, in and out of hospital. As soon as she had a fever, we had to go to hospital. Where Trinity didn't really understand, like why was all the fuss being made about her, but she's not sick. Actually, the one day she came and said, but mommy, Nikita isn't sick. Where's her Aina? Where's her Aina? Like, you know, where's her Aina? Because with Trinity, you can see she's got a tracheostomy too. With Nikita, you cannot see. Yeah, there's something physically wrong with her. Like, when her hair, when Nikita's hair started falling out, like for an example, um, Nikita's hair started falling out during the second phase of, during the beginning of the second phase and towards the end of the first phase of treatment. So because of the chemotherapy, her hair started falling out. Then we decided to shave her hair. But we didn't want it to feel like there's something wrong with or anything like that. So we spoke about it. We said, you know, the medicine is making a hair fall out. 
So instead of everything falling out, let's have a shaving party. So we had a party, you know, my 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 at my sister-in-law's house and my sister-in-law's daughter baked a cake for each one of the girls. Because remember, we don't want Trinity to be feel like she's left out to anything like that. Well, we didn't. We asked her, "Do you also want to shave your hair?" And she said, "No." So we said, "Fine." So. Daddy decided, okay, he's going to grow his hair. My husband's hair is so long right now. I'm so jealous. Um, but I shaved my hair with, with Nikita. So I think that also made it better because she saw, and I think also the fact that she saw all the children in the ward, you know, with yes. no hair and everything. Um, so she's been very positive um, about everything, but it mentally, being an oncology parent, it is draining. It is frustrating. It is financially, it is, oh my word, people don't get how financially and emotionally exhausting oncology is because we've got a very good medical aid. Um, you know, we, we really have a very good medical aid, but oncology is so expensive. And in South Africa, you can't afford to just go to... Well, okay. I have, I have, I have friends or oncology parents that do not have medical aid, and they make use of the government system. It is exactly the same as a private facility. Exactly the same. The only difference, the only difference, is the financial implication. Is where you have to pay more. Your bills are more and higher because just because you're making use of a government facility doesn't mean that you don't pay. Yeah. You still pay. The, besides that is the fact that with a private institution, a private medical institution, you get what you need immediately. Whereas with a government institution, you have to guess you have get to in wait. a line. You have to wait days. Like if Nikita, like when Nikita needed blood, we would get blood. If there was a shortage, we would still get it within that day. We waited, but we would still get it. Whereas with a, a government facility. You will be in line. You can get your blood two weeks later, three weeks later, because why? You're not paying for it. And you might die in that time. You know, so that, I think that is, the, that is the, but that's the only difference. Because the hospital or the government facility that is close to here where there's a pediatric oncology ward and the private facility where we have the pediatric oncology ward where we attended, the oncologists are the same for both hospitals. Yeah, so the, we usually have, the doctors are the same. The big thing comes in an aftercare and control of pain and those type of things. That the ease of the way you get your treatment is a lot different. It's a lot different. Yes, I think that's the only difference. Yes, but that's you still get oncology. In. And I think the pain is the same. The frustration is the same. Yes. The, the, the I think the frustration is, the same. is a bit more in if you have to wait for something that you you need your child really, really, really needs. I think also that you you know what I've learned being an oncology parent more than what I've learned from being a tracheostomy parent is that in the oncology department you can be a multi-millionaire and you can can be a a street sweeper the emotions the the losses the 
the pain, the frustration, the fearfulness, everything is the same. I have met people in the oncology ward that I would have never, ever started a conversation with in the real world. Like, I have met people from different backgrounds and everything, and be it emotional background, financial background, you know, different people. And there, there is no such thing as... Sickness humbles everyone. It humbles every single person. Every single person. A subject that I, I was always scared to talk about is that people forget that, yes, you are going through everything and your child is going... Remember, I'm speaking from a, a parent's perspective. Your child is suffering and there's nothing you can do but to trust in these positions and in the, the medical field. The one thing that got me so irritated and so angry at times was when people would come with these suggestions of, do you know you should try this, it cures cancer? Do you know you should try this? It, it, do you know the, the people don't really want to talk, doctors don't really want to talk about this medication or this herbal substance or whatever like that because then the pharmaceutical people will make more money and things like that. Then I'm like thinking, don't you think they would have, you know, made it available to every single person if that was the cure for cancer. You know, it's like, yes, you know what, talk about it. Um, tell me what you think. It's my choice to take it in or just let it slide by. But it's so irritating because then I think to myself, because I was exactly that way before my child was diagnosed. I would read up on things like, oh, this will cure cancer, eating this will cure cancer, things can, like, for example, when I, when Nikita was diagnosed, the first thing I asked the oncologist, is there something I could have done? Is it hereditary or something like that would ever? And it's like, leukemia is not like an organ cancer where it's hereditary and things like that. It just happens. Because you know what? Every single person on this planet has got a cancer cell in their body. It's where they every, every single person has it. Yeah. It is something that triggers it. And up to the day, that's what people are trying to, to find out what causes it. It's like, you know what, when, when, when there was a cure for AIDS, well, it's not a cure for AIDS, <laughs> it's not a cure for AIDS, but when, like the, the what do you call you, the pharmacist, what's that, RIV, what? IRVs. IRVs. You still get those. You definitely do get those. They use those and it keeps it at balance, but it doesn't it cure doesn't it. Cure, but I mean, they, they, it's available to every single yes. person. We, we're trying to get to it everywhere. So, I mean, why would people come out and say, you know, you should try this? You should try this. this eat some beetroot. Eat some beetroot. And, like, okay. You know? it, it drives me crazy. As a pharmacist, it drives me crazy when people do that. It, great stuff. Do your research. Please prove it. I mean, it can help. I mean, it, it can, can help yeah. uh, in, in, for example. Beetroot I'm, helps your immune system, which is great. If exactly. You've got if you've, AIDS, but, but that's what we, but now with oncology, for example, with Nikita, we cannot, if Nikita gets a cold, we cannot give her flutex and stuff like that. We cannot even give her multivitamins because her body is just going to, it's not going to do anything, you know, to her. So we try to go the natural route of, we, we do research on 
like, you know, fruits and vegetables. Like, for example, during winter, we gave a, a lot of oranges, you know, some um, strawberries. Like, strawberries even now, stra- I mean, one strawberry's got more vitamin C than, a, than an orange. You know, healthier options. No medication and things like that's going to help my child get better from But still, whatever. if she gets a bacteria or a virus, it, it's that. That's that. You know, so, I mean, you try to, to boost the immune system in a natural way, like, you know, eating healthier and things like that. But it's not going to cure my child's cancer. What is curing my child's cancer or what, what is making my child's cancer stay at bay and, and, and um, killing the cancer cells is the, the actual is the actual treatment. Yes, you know, you get, I, and believe me, I am not against, you know, your CBD oils and stuff like that, whatever. It actually helps, you know, to alleviate um, symptoms. and all that stuff. But it doesn't cure it, at least from my perspective, you know. Um, if you've got substantial evidence, great stuff, then you'll use it or whatever. But but like, like but, I said, being an oncologist. it helps, great, use it for yourself. But don't try to shove it down someone else's throat. Exactly. And you know, another thing that I um, have noticed is that people forget that the staff, meaning the, the doctors, the nurses, the dietitians, every single person that is there that they love your child just as much as you love your child because they are treating your child. And when a child is, is, is not in remission and it doesn't go the way that we would hope it would go in a positive direction, they feel it too because remember yes. at the end of the day, it's like they failed. As a healthcare professional, it seems like a personal failure. Everyone doesn't yeah. get cured or doesn't get so healthy. As I, think, I think people should... Spread awareness of, of of cancer, especially pediatric cancer, more often because everybody is always talking about adult cancers and things like that. And you know what? From a personal perspective, not all cancers are a pink ribbon. Yeah. I have respect for, for, for every single person that has undergone chemotherapy treatment. It is harsh. It takes away time from your family. It, it breaks up families and things. But people forget that childhood cancer is there. People don't want to really talk about it. They don't want to... It's scary. I mean, nobody everyone. nobody ever thought that their children would have cancer that's in the oncology ward. Yes. Until it happened to them. You know, so please remember, everybody, I'm going to, you know, we've run out of, bit of time, but please, I'm emphasizing, September is... Um, Pediatric uh, Child Cancer Awareness Month. The 1st of September, it is eat a cupcake for breakfast. Eat a cupcake! Eat a cupcake for breakfast. You know, get a cupcake, write down someone's name, whether it's an adult, a child, anybody that has survived um, cancer, that has lost their battle through cancer, families that are surviving um, oncology, you know, write their name on your hand, take a picture with your cupcake and, you know, post it using the hashtag... um, Adequately fed up um, on our pages, on our Instagram, Facebook. Um, you know, just help us spread awareness. We will be posting our pictures. Please comment on there. And re- remember to listen to our podcast, subscribe and like. And also, if I can just add up quickly, please, if you do have the time, please go and look up um, and like, tag and share two specific pages, which is called Arms of Mercy. They help uh, all medical pa- uh, parents um, with any medical condition um, and also cupcakes for cancer. 
please go and like, tag, share, and post your your pictures of um, you know you eating a cupcake with a survivors uh, or any family going through oncology on your hand and take a picture. And um, please don't forget, September is Pediatric Oncology Child Cancer uh, Awareness Month. And review our podcast. We've been wondering where the first review is. We'll have to have a special prize for the first reviewer. We should do a prize, baby. We should. Take care. We'll speak to you guys soon. Bye.